This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Four of them. Four. Well, I said this before and I'll say it again. Five of them. You've got West Burnside. You've got Southeast Belmont. You've got McAdam and Lake Oswego. But don't forget Zupans.com. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. I'm not forgetting that. The virtual store where you can go and find out about a lot of the products that you can find in a Zupans market. And the specials going on. And they are special. You know what I noticed last time I was in there? Was What's that? Their selection of local coffees. Oh, yeah. is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Because I always like to have about five in my home right. in the morning to decide. So they have a great selection of coffees. The seafood is incredible. I got some shrimp cocktail the other day. Nice. Um, everything's great. We're, we're happy to have Zupans uh, sponsor us. The, everything that's the best of Oregon. And they, they've been here for 40 years. Over 40 years. Over 40 years. Yeah. And you won't find any market as local with roots planted as deeply as Zupan's in Portland. So we suggest if you shop there, keep going. And if you haven't, you need to stop by one of those four locations. Yep. West Burnside, Southeast Belmont, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. And again, the fifth one that I like to throw in, Zupan's.com. This is Right at the Fork. It is Portland's food scene podcast with your hosts, Chris Angelus and Cor Johnson. Uh, Johnson. No, uh, I'm, I'm headed to Vegas this weekend, Chris, and I don't know why this has finally occurred to me. Chris Angelus is not too far away from Chris Angel, the musician in, in Las Vegas. Magician? Is that a, is that a combined a magician. magician and Man. musician at the same time? I I've, do neither of those things I've, well. I didn't sleep very well last night, and I woke up way too damn early this I'm morning. I'm going to put a wager. On the by the time you get to Las Vegas, yeah. you are going to be able to pronounce your last name perfectly, Johnson. Johnson. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> that is the ba- the betting city. Uh, you can bet on this. We got a great episode in store for you today. Uh, it's not a repeat, but it's a kind of a full circle type episode. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed it. Um, getting to know Seamus Foran of Acadia Bistro. We started early on in the ball game on this podcast with. The gentleman who sold him Acadia Bistro about yeah. 14 months ago, Adam Higgs, which is w- which episode? Uh, number seven. If you go back into the archives, you can you can hear that interview. It was a great interview with Adam. It was a great interview. And not only that, for a long time, it was the most listened to interview we had. Yeah. And we couldn't figure out, not that Adam isn't and wasn't a great guy, we could never figure out why that one every week was getting more listened to. Some good than, numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. I, I do know this, that uh, he kind of was the first introduction to me to these really unique Portland places because he came in, not only gave us a great interview, but he also gave us some good certificates. So I was able to take my wife and daughter to check out, check out Acadia, and it was awesome. Oh, it's, they uh, took uh, care of us. I said it in the interview, and I've said this before, always uh, in my top five or ten restaurants in Portland when anybody asks, because you can, you know, you can reel off the expected restaurants. Right. Um, Acadia Bistro has always been one of my favorites from the get-go, and I still enjoy going there. And I, I like the vibe, too. It's yeah. a nice vibe. It's a great neighborhood. Easy to park. Right. So, that's, what I, that's what I liked about so it. So we, ha- we have an event coming up there, actually, October 25th, another PFA. It's the start of what I want to do going on. I want to do a few events like this, which are called PFA Classic. It's my attempt to appreciate the restaurants that have stood the test of time as much as we're talking about the new restaurants now. Sure. Because this place, you know, Acadia, and we're going to be doing another one at Park Kitchen. 
they've been around for double digits in years, and uh, that's a tough thing in this town. So these We're, classics uh, are PFAs you've already done, but it's kind of a return with a unique not, approach? Not necessarily, but yeah, it, in these two cases it is. But also a little different approach in that we're going to have special people you get to dine with. Yeah. So whereas PFA, the original intent was to get to know the chef and the places they go, we're still going to do that. But now at um, at Acadia on the 25th, Adam Higgs, the former owner, is going to come in and just eat with us. So you, oh, very if nice. you want to eat with chefs as opposed to just be served by them, that's one. And then Park Kitchen coming up, we have... Uh, the gentleman from Holtfast and Scott Dolich, where they're going to be eating at the table, David Sapp's food. Very nice. So uh, that's at PortlandFoodAdventures.com. That's right. Sorry for the shameless promotion. No. But I, as again, I consider it a public service announcement. Right. Because are fun things to How do. How else are you going to find out about this? Exactly. And people say to me all the time, gee, I've been in Portland for five years. How come I've never heard about Portland Food Adventures? And then I want to pull out the gun and shoot myself. Right. So here's here, I'm saving myself from that. There thing. you go. From that fate. So, um, but this interview is really interesting. It it um, it moved right along. Yeah, Seamus is very humble. He he pays a, a lot of. Uh, I like the word homage. Sure. No, I'm sorry, homage, homage, homage. That's what I way I always said it. Uh-huh. And now all of a sudden, I've been influenced to say homage. Well, well maybe for French. a New Orleans restaurant, we should. Sure, we oui, we. Um, oui. But he uh, he certainly uh, no lack of respect for his mentor. Um, and the guy who taught him the ropes, Adam Higgs, too. So, um, But Acadia Bistro is now Seamus's and uh, is standing on, its, on his own legs and doing very well. Mm-hmm. Right at the Fork is supported by Upserve. Upserve is the cloud-based restaurant management system serving up everything you need to know to run a smoother operation and exceed guest expectations. It's your restaurant. Run it like you mean it. With Upserve, visit Upserve.com to request a demo today. Tell them you are a Right at the Fork listener and get special pricing. The Chew Dining Club. Chew Dining Club gives you rewards and intel from Portland's best restaurants. Check in at participating establishments and you'll get rewards you want, like free pizzas, beverages, and extended happy hour deals, plus exclusive information and invites to fun food events. Chew. Find it on iTunes or Google Play. Leanne Bach of M Realty. Choosing the right realtor can make or break the buying or selling experience in real estate. Leanne Bach is in tune with the ever-changing Portland landscape, especially as it pertains to our food and restaurant world. Why not work with someone who's in step with you? Find Leanne at LeanneBach.com. L-E-A-N-N-E-B-A-C-H.com. And by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and craft beer. Emphasizing locally sourced items. Zupan's has been inspiring food lovers and local chefs for over 40 years with the very best Northwest bounty in Portland. West Burnside, Southeast Belmont, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Zupan's Markets. Love your food. How was last night with the, uh, with the debate, football, baseball? Well, we're closed on Sunday. Oh, well, there so. you go. That, then it was perfect. Yeah. Perfect time to be closed. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's good. Is it just it's just Sunday that you're closed? Yeah, right. And it's, you know, something I've kind of entertained changing. Just you know, that's one day that I'm I'm paying for space and I'm not getting any money in, so Yeah, but don't you need a little time off? I really do, and that's why I'm like holding off on all of it. It's really nice to have a day where I'm just like, you know, 
I don't know how you do it seven days a week. I mean, you. It's tough. Yeah. You're there six right now. You don't take I'm a day six. off and have anybody else. I've, you know, I've started taking Wednesday nights off, which is like huge. It's just like a nice day. I always think of like, oh yeah, I got this night off. I'm going to do something great. And I just end up like doing laundry and sitting on the couch and it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it's real life. Yeah. Absolutely. It is. <laughs> is it, is it just you? You have someone at home? No, it's just me. I've got a girlfriend, but we're we're not sharing the the living quarters right now. Yeah, well that is, but then on Wednesday night, doesn't she want your time? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so to say, no, I think I'm gonna do laundry isn't gonna go very far. It, it it's tough. Yeah, definitely. Um I mean I think that's what's that's what's really hard about this lifestyle in general, like, it gets in the way of just like normal everyday living, you know, like not having that nine to five thing can really take its toll on you. So do you ever ask yourself the question? Cause so you've been, you've been the owner operator for, um, 15 months now. So something like that. You, yeah. Over, over just, a year. just over a year. I think going on, going on 15, right. And you knew what you were getting into, right? You had the choice. Totally. So do you ever ask yourself, um, what am I doing this for if I can't really enjoy if I'm living to work? Yeah, totally. Um, I, I, I feel like for the first time in my life, though, I'm kind of projecting things over a few years instead of just taking it, you know, like paycheck to paycheck, so to speak. So I'm kind of like envisioning, yeah, it's it's super hard and it's taxing right now. But in a couple of years, I might be able to, you know, delegate some responsibility, hire some other people take some time off, even kind of what, what my predecessor Adam did with me, where you mm-hmm. get somebody in there who knows what they're doing and you can kind of trust them to oversee while you're, you know, at home doing normal stuff. How long did it take him to trust you? Um, and were you the only one that he could trust at that point in time? I don't think so. I think he was always kind of pushing responsibility onto people, which I think... Um, you know, I think it worked really well for me, even being young, kind of having him say like, hey, you know, I'm going to I'm going to have you handle this or handle that. And uh, I think it, I think he is almost he was rather uh, better at that than I am. I think I'm having a hard time right now trying to give up some, uh, you know, some control. I try to sometimes I micromanage a little too much, and that's you know that's something I'm really trying to work on. So, but you were you saw him, and I'm sure when he first started delegating more and more, it probably wasn't easy. It's probably not easy for anybody, definitely uh, to start out. So, and then you know you've been the you've been the one who had a boss, and now you're the boss, and yeah. so you got to play both sides of the fence. You want to be the good boss, the fun boss, but also get things done. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and I think even talking to some of the people who came before me um, that I had even worked with, I, I think by the time I was Adam Souchef, he was more comfortable giving out that responsibility and taking a step back. So I think like, you know, talking to an old friend of mine who was the sous chef when I first started, he had it a lot harder <laughs> in in certain regards than I did with that. Like Adam was on him all the time. and And so I think he, you know, he had sort of, come around so to speak on on some of that stuff um so when you made the transition was it something that was just planned between the two of you or did adam come and say i want to sell and do you want to be the guy how did how did that all come about 
He and we're talking about Adam Higgs, by the way. Yeah, we can't just assume <laughs> he was a chef, chef owner there for fourteen years. Right. Yeah. Right? So, mm-hmm. and you started working with him seven years prior to that. To you're taking it over. Is that right? I think. Oh uh, God, like it's. I'm losing track of the years now. They go by, um, but it's somewhere in there. We're not. Some, we're not going to have the. Yeah. We're totally. not doing. We're not doing political fact checks here. <laughs> yet. Uh, not yet. Hey, right. We'll see how Should this we goes. Start? <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. What was the question again? The qu- well, so, you, so, um, when you when the sale occurred, oh, right, of Acadia right. Bistro, was it something where Adam just wanted to do and he was going to sell it to anybody? Did he say, okay, did you did he know ahead of time that you would like to take it over? I, you know, I'm not exactly sure how long Adam had been thinking about selling. But he talked to me briefly about it one time and was just like, hey, you know, if, if you're ever interested in this, you know, we could discuss selling it. And at first I was very like, no, what are you talking about? I can't do this. You know, how, how old are you? If I'm you 32. 32. Okay. Yeah. And I was, uh, you know, I guess 30 and a half when right. we first started discussing it. Um, and, you know, it, it was something that was like I had never really considered and I talked to my family about it because um, I think, you know, my mom, I don't know if anybody, it's like classic mom, like she's always trying to push me to do something else, you know, and, and even as proud of me as she is with the restaurant industry, I think she's always been like, you know, you could be doing something else, like, uh, you know, something else where you get health insurance or you could be doing this or doing you that. You could and be selling like, health insurance? Yeah, like, who oh, knows? Nice. You know, whatever, whatever mom's Something, thinking Something's of. regular that's a, nine to five, a, a guaran- real job. guaranteed yeah. paycheck at the end of the week. Is yeah. she still that you doing that on. now? Now um, that you own the restaurant? Not as much, but you can, I think you can still still sense a little bit of like, you know, it's, it's time for you to grow up and get a real job, get out of this restaurant stuff. Um, and so what, when I talked to, to her about it, <laughs> I was actually very surprised she was like, totally supportive of the idea i'm just like well you need to do this you need to buy this restaurant and you know it was just like it seemed very very huge and like something that was kind of unattainable to me and also seeing you know on a day-to-day basis the toll it took you know takes on on whoever's running it it's it's intimidating um but i kind of started i i felt like i was at this place in my life where i i was realizing if i'm not going to do this if I'm not going to make this jump to owning a restaurant, what am I really going to do? And at the same time, if Adam doesn't sell this place to me and he sells it to some other schmo coming in off the street, like, what am I going to do? Am I going to want to work with that guy? Am I going to want, you know, some other new guy you, you telling me? You need to me, reword that. You need to just say some schmo, not other schmo. Some schmo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, you know, like, you know, I'm going to have some schmo telling me how to make gumbo. Like, no, this is how I do it. I've been doing this for, you know, longer than you. So I kind of started thinking about that, and it it started to play into just, like, you know, my my thinking that, you know, maybe I can do this. Maybe I should do this. Um, and if, you know, if I have some support from people, it, it, it was becoming a possibility, a realistic possibility. So do you remember the moment where you said, all right, I'm in. I'm going to do it. Do you remember the day, the where you were and what you said and who you were talking to? Um, mainly just Adam. I mean, it, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, a one moment like that, you know, like a light bulb. But I, I kind of remember talking to my mom about getting the money and, you know, the money that it, that it took to, to 
to buy this from Adam is, you know, no small, no, no small amount. Um, and, you know, I knew that that's like a big, big favor to ask from anybody, even your parents, you know, like, hey, can I have this, yeah, this ridiculous amount of money? That's the beauty of mom pushing you to do something new. Yeah, but yeah. You had that in the, you already <laughs> had that knowledge. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so then there was this, uh, you know, the, this realization that like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it happen. And it was, it was fun, exciting, and like remarkably stressful all rolled up in one. Even more so than just working day after day. Absolutely. As a, as a sous chef. Absolutely. Cause it was, it was taking over something that was really new to me. Um, you know, like I still think cooking is, you know, cooking is kind of like an art. It's kind of like, you know, something that you can make up as you go along. Owning a business, running a business is serious stuff. And it's something that, you know, I admittedly did not have much experience, really any experience with. So I was incredibly fortunate to have kind of absorbed as much as I did from Adam over those years. But it doesn't look like you were consciously absorbing. You weren't saying, okay, I'm going to take this over one day. Let me watch everything he does. Totally. Yeah. And, but you, so you just by osmosis, obviously. Yeah. Did it. And then there had to be the day where you're like, okay, I'm scared shitless. Now I really need to know. Totally. I, um, the few months before I took over, it was August 1st that I took over. So I think it was like sometime in early July, I was starting to get like these mild little panic attacks. Like, oh my God, I'm going to own a restaurant in a month. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and I'd like kind of talk to Adam about it. Like, you need to teach me how to how to own a restaurant. I, I don't know. And he's like, well, what do you want to know? Uh, I don't know. But something, I need to be learning something, I don't, know don't I? I don't know. Yeah. Right? It's a- yeah, I don't know what I need to know. Um, so it was... It was terrifying, and then I was really relieved within the first couple of weeks. I kind of felt like I sort of was able to hit the ground running and kind of started to realize, you know, maybe I I had absorbed more of this than I had originally thought. I kind of knew what I was doing more than I I realized. Um, You know, not that I have... Not that I have it down pat by any means yet, but... And you had a built-in following. You had neighborhood following. You had customers who loved... Adam and knew you. They were they had been there long enough to know who you were, and that, yeah, and I'm sure they were supportive, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, really surprisingly so. I think it was able, you know, just with my experience with that food, with that cuisine, with the menu, um, and my involvement in it. I think it was really able to be kind of like a, a smooth transition for everybody involved, for the staff, for the the regular customers. Um, yeah, I th- I think people were were really surprised by it actually like uh, a lot of regulars said like wow it's the same place it feels it feels just as good as it did before so you know that meant a lot and i think it was it was really cool were you shooting for just as good or better <sighs> well i mean you're always trying to be better right um and but that was hard but I, what what in your mind would have made it better <sighs> and no disrespect to adam but you had you know everybody's got their own individual yeah taste of course. And, and and thoughts and um a lot of things, you know, I had I had some big goals right out of the gates to do some kind of behind-the-scenes improvements, stuff that customers don't, you know, wouldn't necessarily notice, but anybody who's worked in the restaurant industry knows how important little things can be. Um, I really wanted very hardly to bring 
sort of like the restaurant into the 21st century. I wanted to get a new point of sale computer. I went in, I wanted to get, you know, like internet reservations, all this stuff. And you're still doing I, it in a, in a book. Absolutely. Right? And it's funny because I had all these ideas of what would make this restaurant better. And then like, I was like, I don't know why Adam hasn't done this. Doesn't, hasn't done that. And then like when I started taking it over and when I took it over and started, you know, seeing why Adam had it set up the way he did, things started to make sense. And, you know, I, I had all these big ideas in terms of, you know, like I keep mentioning the, the point of sale computer. We have this super dated computer staff hates it. It's like such a pain in the ass, but it's really expensive to replace one of those, you know? And, and then up, learn it and maintain it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it was one of those things I just had to like, okay, well I'll save some money and then I'll, I'll jump into this. But then saving money in the restaurant game is harder than you know <laughs> you expect. Um, you hit, like every week there's, you know, like an unseen expense. A smashed window you wake in. Absolutely. Yeah, that's happened a couple times now. Refrigerators are just the worst. You know, they're, they're a money pit. So And don't go on vacation because that's when Zukin says everything goes wrong. Oh, everything mechanically yeah. goes wrong at his restaurant. Oh, when, I'm sure. When he's in somewhere else. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I haven't even been entertaining the idea of a vacation, you know. We have to get you to that point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Portland does. We have to get you a vacation <laughs> at some point. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. And so do you, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to – have you been to New Orleans? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, I've been to been to New Orleans on multiple occasions. Um, I mean, I'd love to go back. I, I You know, I, I absolutely love traveling. I've, I've been fortunate enough to see a lot of parts of the world, and I'd – I mean, frankly, I'd like to see every part of the world. Uh, there are very few places that I wouldn't like to go, to be perfectly honest. What's on the top of your list? Um, right off the top of my head, I'd love to go to Istanbul. Um, I've never been there. Um, I'd love to go... Maybe not right now. Right, I know. Um, I'm let that place cool off <laughs> right. a little bit. <laughs> Might be waiting a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, all around South America, um, I'd love to go deeper into parts of Eastern Europe that I've I've never really explored. Um, parts of you know, I'd love, love, love to go to Japan. Uh, I've heard nothing but awesome stuff about Same it. Same with me. Food. That's high on my list. Yeah, um, and it's hard. You know, like I used to have this kind of this plan. Like, okay, like once a year, I'll get like a week off and I'll go on some cool trip somewhere. But that just even gets harder and harder than you realize. And then, you know, after a while, you've only been to Beaverton in the last three years, and that's that's your, your closest thing to a vacation. So do you, uh, for me, I would be very frustrated by that, but then I'm a lot older than you are. <laughs> and and uh, when I was 30, things were very different or in my 30s. So um, it doesn't seem like it frustrates you. You enjoy what you're doing. So definitely. Yeah. 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 Which has been great. I mean, I think. And it's... by the way, there's nothing wrong with Beaverton. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. We got some right. great strip malls out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do. I think, you know, if you if you have a job that's as hard and as demanding as what being a chef, being an owner of a small business is, if you don't love it, it's impossible, I, I would imagine. Um, so I've been very fortunate with that. And it's fun every day. To turn the key, walk in, and cook some food, and you know, try to get some people in there. 
And how has business been since you? It's been very good. I think uh, I think things have been going very well. And there's, uh, you know, improvements that I would love to make. Um, are you, are you finding some of the um, some of the uh, press, the food writers, the critics are revisiting you and giving you a little more attention now that it's your restaurant? I think different chef. I think maybe a little bit. There was certainly that um, certainly a wave of that when I first took over because sort of news breaks and there's something new happening at Acadia. You know, I think it's so hard, specifically in this market in Portland, to to just stay relevant. There's something cool happening in the food scene every week. Something new opening, some, you know, crazy awesome pop-up going on. And so to be able to stay relevant is like, you know, it's incredibly difficult. So I think, and I saw that a lot with Adam, you know, it's, to get press, you need to be doing something. You can't just be serving your dinner and making good food. Like that's just sometimes not enough. You need to have some kind of event, something, something to plug. Do you go to a lot of events? I mean, there are certain chefs that you see at you know a lot of, a lot of collaborations and events. Yeah. I never saw. I never really. I saw Adam a little bit. He did a few events with me uh-huh um that i had arranged for some people but i didn't see him out there and i, don't, I haven't seen you and it's i guess it's a function of you need to be in that kitchen and, and yeah. serving your customers yeah definitely i mean i think both adam and myself are kind of you know like w- what you would call an on the line chef you know we're you know we have a small business so you know to keep payroll down and to to make sure things are going well you know like just like he was i'm there six nights a week i'm i'm cooking your food if you come in so it's hard to get away to go be a part of those events. And it's, you know, it's a bummer in a way because I see, you know, like all this stuff going on and it's, it looks like fun. And I'd love to be like that kind of guy, you know, out and about and being seen and mingling. But at the same time, like I kind of feel this huge weight of responsibility to make sure I'm there. I'm making sure things are going the way I want them to be going. So I think in this town, from my point of view, it's a good PR thing to get out there and do events because, oh, definitely. because of social media. So when you're one of 12 chefs doing something and your food is good and you're a nice guy, then people tweet that, they put it on Instagram and that's, that's your, yeah. oh yeah, let's pay attention to this. I forgot about, it's so easy to forget about places in uh-huh. Portland. You yeah. just alluded to it yeah. because there's the new, um, I have always said this, I've always maintained this, Acadia Bistro is one of my first favorite restaurants and for years after I started doing what I was doing, and I'd always be asked, what's your favorite restaurant? I would always mention Acadia Bistro because the others would be expected, right? Yeah, Some of the yeah. other favorites. But um, I've always I've always enjoyed it a lot. And well, I do you. hope you go back to that old pork, that old thick pork chop that, that, <laughs> that Adam used to serve. That was, yeah. that used to draw me in quite a bit. But, um, and I recently came in just for a few, a few nights ago, just, I, I was I was impressed with what you were doing. Oh, cool. um, it was great. What is it that people would if if people had been there before and haven't been? What changes might they? What nuances in the style of cooking and some of the dishes might they um, expect? Well, I think you know it's tough. I think I think a lot of them have been like very subtle changes. Um, one thing about me is that I, I spent the bulk of my culinary career learning from Adam Higgs, you know, so like a lot of his style of food is, you know, 
is represented in mine, too, because he kind of taught me a lot. But I think um, Adam really had a flair for a lot of the, like, classic New Orleans food, being really big and bold and rich and, like, decadent. And, you know, that's obviously, like, what New Orleans is kind of known for. And I feel like I'm maybe slowly trying to kind of refocus Acadia as more of a New Orleans-inspired Portland restaurant, if that makes any sense. Um, I kind of feel like the Portland palate kind of wants something a little bit more simple, a little bit more refined, um, maybe lighter. Um, and this has been a challenge for me because I, I, from the get-go, I wanted to be like, like I don't, I don't want this restaurant to be in people's minds like, yeah, the food's really good, but it's, I'm gonna feel full and fat and gross after I eat there, you know. And I don't want that to be the the case. But even as I as I say this every week, you know, the best selling dishes on our menu are the richest, <laughs> most decadent. So maybe what I think people want and what the city actually wants aren't exactly the same. So it's been a huge challenge for me to try to try to you know envision what I want this restaurant to be and a direction that I want to move it in. But I think that's kind of touching on it, like making things a little bit lighter. Well, it sounds like over time you can gauge what people are ordering and how yeah. they're reacting to some of the new things, and you might end up gravitating back to where you thought you didn't. You... Totally, yeah. And and I, I found myself doing that a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> you know, just just making little specials and stuff. I'm like, wow, this is a... This is a very, very richer than I wanted it to be or, you know, not, you know, but the reception has still been good. So people still like the food regardless of, you know, whether or not I'm, I'm really changing things. All right. You're a small business owner. You own a restaurant. You're great at what you do, which is making great food. But when it comes to managing the restaurant, that's probably the last thing you want to think about. Uh, it usually is. Yeah. And by the way, even if they want it, even if someone wants to think about it, right. it's tough to do. It's tough to do, which is why Upserve is here to help you. The industry's largest and most comprehensive cloud-based restaurant management system. You know, there are already 8,000 restaurants across the country using Upserve's analytics and point-of-sale solutions to run a smoother operation and something that's really important exceed guest expectations. That's right. And it will also help you figure out what menu items are driving repeat business. Uh, you can also measure your staff performance, all sorts of things available in Upserve that will help you know how to manage your restaurant in a better way. So if you go to Upserve.com, you can see a little video there that gives you an overview of what they do and certainly find out a little more detailed information. And as you do that, be sure to mention Chris and Court and they'll give you the reduced pricing as you check them out. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. That's something we can do for everybody. That's right. Upserve.com. So how would you be outside of the New Orleans style realm if you all of a sudden, let's say you went to a food competition and they weren't serving that and you had to do something completely different, Asian, or how would, how would you be, how well-rounded are you? Because... Let's go back a little bit. You're, you're, you started in Portland as a, as a dishwasher. Oh, right? yeah. You worked your way up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the, the truth is, yeah, I, I haven't spent a ton of time cooking in various, various kitchens like a lot of people have. Um, so but, you're the expert at Acadia. It's like perfect <laughs> that you took it yeah. over because yeah, this, right? this is what you're, you've specialized in. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, 
one thing that I think is, re- is really cool about about New Orleans food is that it's like it's like the original fusion food, right? It's it's a sort of gathering of tons of people from various cultures and coming together and like the food is what really ends up seeing the most uh the most examples of that right and one could arguably say because people could argue anything that new orleans cuisine is the most distinctive american cuisine if you were to point to a region and someone would say that they'd know what it is where if you pointed to chicago or new york that's more of a mishmash. You yeah, know, you might think of Chicago style pizza. Right, right. Yeah, but but as far as you know, uh, flavor profiles and so forth, New Orleans has it. Yeah, definitely. And it's um, you know, it's really cool because I, I think it's a it's a place. It's a region where um, traditional methods, traditional styles, and ingredients are really cherished. And I think that's something that's sh- you know. Is very is very cool and very unique, especially nowadays. Like just what you're saying, you know, like you go to Indiana or someplace. Not to pick on Indiana, but oh, you let's know, pick on Indiana. <laughs> Some there's a few reasons to pick on it. Sure, <laughs> um, you know, someplace like that that might not have its own distinguished food identity, and I think that's kind of a shame in this in this country. And New Orleans not only has held on to it, but celebrates it on a daily basis, and it's it's something that we should really look at and really respect in other parts of the country and other parts of the world even. Um, so uh, do you feel like you need to get down there? We talked about it earlier, but do you feel like you need to get down there to refresh? Or, yeah, definitely. Um, and do you go down there to find some suppliers and so forth and source your... Yeah, there's a little bit of that. Um, I, I, You know, what I try to like to do more nowadays is just go and see what's cool and what people are doing down there in... in you know, the new food scene that's that's kind of coming around. A lot of, like, my first trips down there after working in Acadia, you just go and you visit, like, the classic restaurant, like Galatoire's and Commander's Palace and all these places that are, like, institutions. And they're awesome. But there's also this whole sort of new new food scene that's that's arriving down there that's much more modern and much more current and kind of, you know, s- sort of setting the bar for what, I ultimately might, you know, kind of consider making the change to kind of like I was saying, less of this like, you know, piles of seafood with with drawn butter and stuff like that, and more, you know, kind of refined, um, elegant food. And I don't know; I haven't been there in years. Is New Orleans refining itself? Is there, are they so. finding a new? I think so. Yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of really cool restaurants down there doing some really cool modern things, and. Uh, you know, similar to Portland, I think they a big a big aspect of the the food down there is local ingredients, be it produce, meat, seafood specifically. And so I think that's something that that we can look at and and try to try to replicate here because I think there's there's so much in the Pacific Northwest to use. It's like you know, chef's playground. So, so do you have a favorite dish that you've recently been playing around with that people should come in and? Uh... Um. You know, I've I've been doing. I'm like crazy about pork. I I think that's that's getting kind of, it's almost getting, becoming cliche with chefs now. But pork is just especially in Portland. It's so it's so good, and uh, I've been getting these pork cheeks a lot from Carlton Farms, and I I'm I feel bad in a way when you like you're just like beating something over people's heads. You know, like I'm just I'm having so much fun cooking these pork jo- or these, these pork cheeks that I'm, I'm just like. 
every week I have a special pork cheeks. I'm like, it's, you know, I got to start changing it up. But I've been having a blast cooking with those. We're getting them from Carlton Farms and these cute little succulent, like, you know, meat nuggets. And they're just, they're just amazing. Uh, so do you go out and make your way around the restaurant and show your excitement for pork cheeks and other things? Because <laughs> I think uh, that matters. Like, if you're excited about it, I think other people want to order it. Yeah, totally. Um, I wouldn't say I necessarily get to do that as much. And I should. I think that's something that I think people really identify with is when you get to meet you know, the person who's cooking your food. And you're a nice guy. I wouldn't recommend oh, that to you. everybody. <laughs> but if you go out, I think it's a really positive vibe. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's it's something I think uh, a lot of us, you know, behind behind the scenes are kind of intimidated intimidated by. You know, like back of the house doesn't want to go out onto the dining room floor. And, it, and maybe that's changing a little bit in the in the food scene. But um, when I go out there, it's like kind of like, oh god, okay, put you know put on that fake smile because you gotta you gotta be happy and then like you go out there and it's like oh this isn't actually that bad people are pretty nice and it's like it's why it's do you feel like you have to, to put on a fake smile because that's what you do you right you you don't is this a fake smile court i don't think he's had a fake smile <laughs> no, no it's, he's it's, energetic it's, and fun i get this though a bit though because radio went through this transition where before you used to be able to go into a room hide behind the microphone and and talk i mean you're talking to thousands of people but until social media came around you didn't really you didn't really see each other, and which is why we got the phrase, you have a face for radio. Now that's changed, you have to not only be good in a studio, but you've got to go out and talk to people, interact with them, make videos. It's changed, and I think I think that's totally changed with the way the restaurants, you know, you have these celebrity chefs. and I, mm-hmm. that, I think people want to know. That's an, why I started Portland Food Adventures, because people want to know who... But I do got to like, say, you, I saw a video, and this was in, this maybe four or five months after I, you took over the restaurant, uh, I think you show. I think it was the Oregonian. You were showing how to just cook basic shrimp. Oh yeah, the, the barbecue shrimp. Dish. Yeah. yeah, no, and, and I absorb. I, in fact, I refer to it every now and then. I'm like, I got to do shrimp. Crap, how do I do this? So I go find your video because before <laughs> oh, cool. I, I didn't know how to cook shrimp before. So that was helpful to me, and it was great. Have you been in there to see the, have, to find the benchmarks so no. you know exactly how it tastes? No, I, need, I, 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 haven't, I haven't been been back in. Yeah. Well, part. there's the problem. You make it a grand slam video like that. People are just gonna cook it at home. You know. You gotta, True. What have I done? Lost customers. I think, <laughs> see, in, in my, I really believe that the experiences at the restaurant, that making it at home could could be good. The food would be good. It's never, it's, it's never, the same. It's, it's never the quite same the same. Right, right, yeah. And and I guess, you know, people who are cheap think, oh, I can, I don't have to pay eight bucks for that or 10, but whatever it is, I can make that myself. But by the time you go into the grocery store and pick those ingredients out and sure. then get other things do the uh, impulse shopping, you're better off going to... Uh, yeah. To the, not not that I don't suggest, we've even suggested in this podcast, going into Zupans and getting the shrimp there because it's delicious. Right. But you can't, you're not going to get your shrimp. You're, it's just not the same without the experience. And I think one of the things Jose Chesa does really well is he goes out and loves to chat with his customers and, oh, yeah. and get interact and be interactive and find out what they're liking and what they're, you know, mm-hmm. get that feedback from them direct. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a good idea. You should do it more. I don't think you need to put on a fake mm-hmm. smile. I don't. I'm not sure that I have that that cool European charm that that Jose has. But I mean, he's I, I, he's so I, handsome. Me, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, but you're a good looking guy. <laughs> I think you're being uh, modest, Jameson. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I noticed uh, I was reading something somewhere that uh, where someone had asked you what, what your favorite places were, and you once 
cited Escape from New York Pizza oh, as one yeah. of your favorites. But now, when I asked you, you gave me Red Sauce Pizza. Yeah. Okay. So have you found a new favorite? Is that <sighs> so? This is what's what's really difficult. Um, my my girlfriend is a very particular eater, and not not in the sense that like food it, you know grosses her out or something, but she's she's a a very huge fan of like locally sourced organic stuff. So if she can't identify things as being like you know, this, or, like, I know it wasn't Cisco. Yeah, exactly. Um, she'd rather not eat there. So I, <laughs> it's tough for me. Is sometimes. she from Portland? Is she no, Portland? No, no, she's not. Um, how long has she been here? How long has that permeated her psyche? I think four years. Okay, five years now. Yeah. Um, I know it's pretty funny, right? Like she's just all about it, which is which is good. And I, I you know, I kind of feel similar about a lot of things. Like obviously, I, I think you know that's. But- that's important, but but you're I'm young. Not a Spartan. But I think back to all the years where I was not, I was enjoying eating without thinking about where it was coming from, and no, absolutely. And that's the beauty of the Northwest. That's a lot of what we're doing. But I do look back and think there were times where I went to actual chains and didn't, you know, I would order something there and not think twice that. Oh yeah. Oh, is this? Is this, should I be eating this? And <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, and so. So to answer your question, I still consider Escape from New York pizza to be, bar none, my favorite pizza that I've ever had on the planet. Um, I've I'm like a Portland native, and I used to go there when I was, you know, like not even tall enough to reach the sneeze guard mm-hmm. behind which those beautiful pizzas are are set up for us to for us to drool over. Um, and so that's still like just one of my favorite places ever of all time, but. You know, now I think there's this new pizza revolution sweeping the city, and there's a lot of cool new stuff. And you know, I, I haven't forgotten about Escape from New York by any means. But Red Sauce is—I went there once when I when it was a long wait at Pizza Jerk. Yeah. Before the first iteration of Pizza Jerk, and I absolutely loved it. And talk about the experience—the space was really nice. The people yeah. were great, and. Uh, yeah, totally. But the pizza was fantastic too. Well, so. and I, I um, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, Pizza Jerk, rather, I felt like I heard about Red Sauce opening and I heard about Pizza Jerk opening at the same time, and it's like they're right across the street from each other, and they're two pizza places, and um, they do very different things, and I think they're both pretty terrific, and I just felt like oh, this is kind of it's kind of a bummer maybe that Red Sauce isn't getting as much as much run as they. They deserve possibly. I, I think they're doing okay, but well, you know then what I mean? there was like, a little thing, and I don't remember it specifically. Um, but there was something going on where where uh, both Pizza Jerk and Red Sauce were written about in the same article, and they, Tommy, yeah, yeah, and Shar were were both. Oh, I think Tommy was like, "Well, they shouldn't be talking about us in the same realm," and I kind of felt like, "Hey," because he respected her. I said, "If you really respect her, you should be okay with." Yeah. You know, being talked about at the same time and being well, compared. And by the way, you're right across the street from each other. You don't think people are going to say one of or course. the other? Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I was thinking the same thing. Um, I mean, I think he handled it really well. He always kind of tackles those those comments and those issues terrifically, I think. But uh, I know I, I thought the same thing. You're like, well, it seems sort of inevitable. You're right across the street from each other. I actually didn't think he had. I, <laughs> I like Tommy, but I thought, you know, you should be honored to be if yeah. you really like what Red Sauce is doing, then don't complain about being in the same sentence with them, mm-hmm. you know, so with, with it. Yeah. So, um, but we need to get you out to New Haven for pizza so you can have a whole different 
framework. Yeah. Um, is that where is that where you're from? I grew up in Connecticut, but I spent the years before I moved out here around New Haven, mm-hmm. around uh, you know white clam pizzas, which yeah. were amazing. And uh, oh, a court! Nope. I just used the word. All right, I mark it down. You yeah. got one, uh, one, yeah, one more right. chance. We're going to lose our uh, our lead host. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, from probably not a bad idea. I, should I just say it and get and be abolished? Well, do you have somewhere else to be? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I don't, but I think it'd be amusing. But. I, I, at least I caught myself yeah. saying it. As I, I say, I, not, neither of us would have noticed. I was working on my vocabulary on the way in here. I was like, different words I can use. Right. Well, Rad. Julie Lee from 1859, who's our friend, brought us, and if you go to the, the episode on rightatthefork.com, she brought us a really nice little cheat sheet of all the words that could be used instead of the A word. Oh, that's terrific. And so uh, we're getting, yeah, I always end up with incredible, and now I have to move off of that one. Right, yeah. that's, that's the new amazing. <laughs> yeah, so... You're on. You got one, but that counts. If I'm referencing it, it. yeah, no, 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 it's in the context. (laughs) So, where else do you like to go? Um, Well, recently, you only have Sunday nights off, and you're trying to get Wednesdays, but it's laundry day. It's (laughs) exactly. Um, Yeah, it's tough. You know, I feel like I'm I'm so far behind right now in like hitting the cool new places. Uh, I'm. I don't know if obsessed is the right word, but um, just Mexican food for me is just like, you know, one of mankind's crowning achievements. And it's like my ultimate comfort food, like all the time. You could never you could never suggest getting tacos to me and I, I wouldn't jump on the idea. Um, so I, I love all kinds of Mexican food. I, I love Authentica. I love Chico. Uh, Nuestra Cocina is terrific. They're closed on Sundays, of course, so I can pretty much never go there. But my new favorite spot that I've been going to is this uh, food cart that's over in my in my neck of the woods on North Killingsworth. It's called Tejuana Oaxacan Cuisine. Um, I was lucky enough a few years ago to to visit Oaxaca, and it is like the most delicious place on earth. The food is incredible. It's very different, I think, from a lot of, um, you know, like. Americanized Mexican food. Well, that's um, what Kelly does at Chico. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. So. Exactly. Um, and 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 this place is is owned and operated by by a couple of guys who used to work at Authentica. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, and and one there's of them, some chops. Yeah, absolutely. One of them was the sous chef there for you know like a long time. I think like seven years. Uh, and they left and they opened this food cart and like the mole is just incredible. Um, they do some brunch. They're they're just the nicest people. I've been going there about once a week. I've been averaging, oh, which nice. is pretty pretty terrific for me. People are sort of starting to raise eyebrows. I, I feel like you know I'm getting funny looks. But so they're your friends. I've yeah I've become friends with them kind of because I yeah. I've just been going there. They're yeah they're they're amazing. Oh oh no oh, that, that's one. Court, you're going to be the only one left in the room. You want to <laughs> got anything to say this morning? Or yeah. you... <laughs> I'll just uh, find a book, and read it out loud. <laughs> that's, that's a good idea. Um, so yes, October 25th, really cool PFA. We did one in October a few years ago, mm-hmm. and that was fantastic. And really happy to be doing it with you. And of course, Adam's going to be in joining us. Yeah, you're not you're not intimidated by that at all. By Adam sitting down and eating with us? No, um, you know, over the years I've I've grown pretty used to his his tough criticism. Does he criti- and when he comes in? Do oh, you get criticism from absolutely. him? Absolutely, really? Yeah, he. Um, I mean, this is something I. It was frustrating, but like you had to just give full respect to him. I mean, he until the final day that he worked there was like. <laughs> 
perfectionist. You know, everything needs to be exactly the way he wanted it to be. And I don't mean that in like a tyrannical kind of way. Like but he's no, coming someone down could hard. be sliding, sliding off yeah. a little bit. And um, and he used to come in to eat, you know, on occasion on on one of his nights off, and uh, and he would let you know about everything, anything that was even slightly off. The gumbo had too much Tabasco in it. Rice felt a little overcooked. Green onions weren't chopped small. You know, like you name it, he could pinpoint it. He could tell you about it, and it was. Yeah, this is like a this classic thing that changes with your perspective. Um, at the time, you're just like, "Oh God, like why do you even keep coming in here to eat? You just <laughs> you just bitch at me about it all." But then, like, you start to realize, like, well, this guy really knows what he's doing, and he cares, and I should be, I should be doing the same thing. Frankly, you know. Um, so well, plus, you were in that role for seven years, where yeah, yeah, you know, he was he was telling you what to do. But I think. From my conversation with him, he's very he's really proud about what you're what yeah. you're accomplishing over there. Yeah, I think so. Um and that, that means a lot to me. I, I think it was uh I think it was really cool to be able to to work with him for such a long time and that we had such a good relationship. You know, I think uh even from the first day I met him, like, you know, we just had a you know, our, our sense of humor just kinda clicked and we just got along well and it's kinda weird now because um you know, there's nobody in my life, professional or personal, that I've spent more time with in the last, like, decade of my life than Adam Higgs. Like, you know, you, you're in a small kitchen. You're standing next to this guy for, you know, 40. And he's a big 40, presence, too. Yeah, he's not absolutely. a small guy. And it's like, you're next to him for, like, 60 hours a week. And then, like, now it's kind of funny because, like, I see him, you know, once every couple of weeks maybe. And it's kind of like, ah, yeah, it's like, you know. I'm sure he had all the faith in you because there's no way – you're going to invest 14 years in a place and hand it off to someone and watch it go downhill. Yeah. So he had to. Definitely. Yeah, he, he had a lot. He had something at stake in selling it and, and you know, keeping him his ego, and not his ego, his reputation intact just as a, yeah, as a and, chef. And, yeah, and I think his legacy. You know, I mean, I think he, he bought the restaurant from uh, the original owner and founder, this guy named Bud DeLotte, and... From the impression that I get, I think the Acadia Bistro that you know, that I think Portland knows, is much more Adam Higgs. It's much more reflective of the direction that he took it than than his predecessor, the, the original owner. Um, and so, you know, I, I think he really largely made it what it is. And I'm, you know, I, I'm really feeling the pressure of trying to continue that and trying to carry it on. And I think it's, you know, respectful to him, respectful to... Everyone who's worked there, all the customers who come in and love it, and I think it's you know it's it's something that's that's really cool. Well, you've done it for over a year now, so yeah. I think that you stood the, that test of time. Yeah, you'll, right. You'll do some more battling off all the new uh, in Portland and and keeping the Acadia Bistro legend going. Yeah, definitely. We just uh, we just turned fifteen this month, so that's that's I pretty. I have a question big. for you, and yeah. probably shouldn't be asking this. The the frosted glass. Mm-hmm. Is there a real what's the reason for the frosted glass? Um you know, I don't know the specific reason. I think it's kind of nice because it it offers like a little bit of privacy from the street if you're in there dining, you know, it just kind of raises it mm-hmm. a little bit. So you can't you know, there's not 100% transparency to the to the, you know, the busy road of Fremont, but you know, you still get. I just some wonder because you don't see that in a lot of restaurants. I know so. it's it's actually kind of interesting. Yeah, um, 
that was, you know, that was something that was grandfathered in for me. So, okay. yeah. Um, but I felt really bad for you when I saw that. And that was the second time uh, when you yeah. log into social media and you show up to early in the morning to it's, prep. And there you go. It's it's a real bummer. Um, yeah, stuff like that is such a drag. Does insurance cover like, all of that for you, even though it's a nuisance when it happens? So what generally ends up happening is that, you know, with my deductible, it just ends up kind of being a wash. And this one was a little bit more, but, you know, only by a couple hundred dollars. And then you start to, like, try to weigh it. Like, is this worth the headache of filing a claim with right. my insurance? Because, you know, that just ends up being a, a huge a huge mountain of paperwork to do. I hope the, the – uh, and I'm not involved in Portland politics at all, and I've never purported to be. But I hope the next mayor does something because I see – Every week now, I'm seeing a friend on Facebook whose car window is smashed open or business window smashed yeah. open, vandalism. I, I just hope that something happens. It's just wrong. It just shouldn't be happening. It's really, there. yeah, it's really terrible. And um, I don't know, what always happens for us is that it's it's always people breaking in to steal liquor. And it's like it's so frustrating now because it's like, God, it's not even good liquor that they're stealing, you know? <laughs> You're taking like some... Some mid-priced bourbon and a bottle of Tangeray, like this, for all of that, just, you would have handed exactly, it to them. Exactly. You should almost have someone there just saying, "Here, uh, if you need something, here." So I was go thinking, away. I was thinking about doing something like that, like just keeping a little, you know, all the scrap, you know, booze and that, leaving it out front. Yeah, just leave it in a little bucket out front, or <laughs> like the milkman. Like, don't go. don't smash my window. You want to get drunk? Just you know. If anybody has any good solutions, uh, log. What's your what are your uh, Handles Twitter and Facebook. Acadia PDX. Acadia PDX. Yeah. Go there and certainly go into Acadia Bistro on Fremont. What's the address? Thirteen oh three Northeast Fremont Street. I, yeah. I uh, and it's there's a the uh, the park across the street is fantastic. Yeah, Irvington. It's a, it's a really nice neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. it's a great neighborhood, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's wonderful place to go. I've always recommended it. I'm so glad you came in today, and I'm glad we met, and I'm glad we're doing something together. Yeah, absolutely. In a couple of yeah. weeks. Very exciting. Beautiful. Yeah. We'll see you then. Yeah, thank you for having me. Do you right at the Fork is proud to be supported by PortlandFoodAndDrink.com, Portland's original food and drink news and review blog, brought to you by the legendary Food Dude, now featuring the huge outdoor dining list you'll need to eat, drink, and enjoy the Portland summer sunshine and fresh air. Check it out today at portlandfoodanddrink.com. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Intro music by Ariel Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at foodpodcastpdx or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Free.